Lasso fans out there, and welcome back to Peanut Butter and Biscuits, your Ted Lasso fan cast from the Front Row Network on NPR Illinois. We are here at episode five of season three. Man, we are chugging along. It is going to end so quick, and I don't want it to. I'm Jeremy Geckner, as always, and here with me, my co-host, Craig McFarland. What is up, Craig? Episode five. Man, this one, it's going to get people talking. There are there are probably some of you out there. Now, this is, we try not to do spoilers up front, just in case for some reason you like to just listen to our housekeeping. I don't know that you would, but we are here for you. We're going to talk about it. Don't worry. I don't. You know, I think you all know what I'm talking about. I don't know if people are going to be as traumatized as you think, but. You don't think so? I don't know. I've, I've underestimated the fan base before, so who knows? I, I'm not a good okay. gauge. Okay, maybe not traumatized, but perhaps shocked. Yeah, that's 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 yeah. Shocks shocks a good way, a uh, good way to put that because of our, course our Richmond locker room was definitely shocked when it happened. Yeah, so, but definitely. we will. Uh, like I said, we'll definitely get into it here in a little bit, won't we? Yeah, because we're going to be talking about episode five called Signs, and man, oh man, there are signs all over this episode, not just in the physical sense, but of course in the metaphorical sense. We will get down into all of that, but of course, everyone, we always have to take care of a little bit of housekeeping before we get into our episode proper. We wanted to uh, call out the people who took the time this week to review us or write us, um, so I'm going to start here with one of these reviews. I know Craig's going to read one that came in on our Facebook page, but um, there is one here that just absolutely cracked me up. Um, it is from Tom Hooligan, how aptly named, uh, on iTunes here. He says, great show, but you're Packers fans. He gave us four out of five stars, and he says, great show, but the Vikings are who you should be cheering for. I mean, that's just, those are fighting words to Packers fans. I mean, that's just never going to happen. Um, not not the Packers. I probably should be the bigger person and give you five stars, but I don't want to. Thanks for making this great show. Okay, well, I mean, I got to call him out on his principles, I guess. Um, well done. I just I just can't believe like how, like the last couple of weeks, how did it become like all of our reviews are about for real? the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> Guys, the Packers are going to be a bad football team. We're going to be very time. bad very very bad just rejoice we're we are going to suck for a long time so so take it easy on us come on guys uh no and actually okay but then on our peanut butter and biscuits facebook page which i did want to call out specifically this week we are doing a lot more yeah um, yeah like yeah community building in that page and it's been so great to have a lot of people join along with us uh we actually i just put up a post today talking about like what is it that you're having a struggle with or you mm-hmm. need some motivation for and people are just kind of helping each other through that, those things and it's just great so definitely go and join that facebook page but brooke left a review and she said that because she listens on spotify she couldn't really leave an apple review but it was a, a pretty long uh review it was so kind and so nice and it just said like if anything we want more of you so she wants more tedisms and more episodes oh, and well. we'll try to bring all that and then of course she said and last but not least Go pack, go Green Bay till we die. Oh. So we do have some Packer fans out there because apparently we need to just transition this into talking about American football I at guess, some point. I guess so. And, uh, you know, it's good that we kind of um, cancel out Tom Hooligan there. Uh, that That's that's the fifth star that Tom wouldn't give us there um, on that review. Uh, we also have one here from uh, on iTunes, ValPal2019. Uh, it says, gets me through the week, a five-star review. Thank you much. Hey, y'all, I'm a Lasso fanatic that typically watches the show the day it comes out, but am unable 
to this time around due to a spouse that isn't home during the week. Oh, no. Um, Y'all give me that good lasso content and gets me through the week so I don't anger them. Well, uh, very, very good, Valpal. We don't want you to anger spouses and everything. Um, That would be hard, though. I don't know. Like, not watching the day it comes out. That would be pretty difficult for me. Yeah, for sure. I did. You know what? I think I found one late breaking one that just came in uh, here. It says my go to podcast for all things Ted Lasso says I've been a Ted Lasso fanatic season one, uh, which I ended up watching six different times, eventually writing down all the quotes from my favorite episodes. And then you came upon the the podcast and love all the insights and the Tedisms. I typically rewatch the episode before the next one is released. I love the private Facebook group, too. So they just called out the private Facebook group as well. So there you are people come and join us but that was an awesome a lot uh, amount of housekeeping thank you for those reviews we really do love those coming in by the way that was from mook morris so yeah. uh, i forgot to read off who brought that in so we really appreciate that anything else before we just dive right into this this is this is a heavy episode man this is a heavy episode and again yeah just keep them coming in guys we really do read them all we even read the one that said we had stuff to work on because we rushed the podcast out we will read anything you put on there folks because if you take the time we take the time um but yeah craig is correct uh it is a packed episode so we are gonna dive right into it so here you go everyone Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! All right, Craig, episode five, signs. Woo, man. Um, you you know, seriously don't think that people are like impacted by the fact that Ted Lasso just took down the believe sign and ripped it in, ha- and ripped it in force? Okay, so we're going that way. Um, no, <laughs> I mean, like, we, we, we can talk about it when it happens in the episode, but I mean, like, come on, people are talking about it like they're thinking about it right now. So we just got to chat about it for a second here. I think, okay, I think that, yes, it will be a shock moment. But when you go and break down what he says, which, again, I don't think that we're going to be able to use that one in Tedisms because we're really going to have to break that down as it happened. That entire quote, <laughs> it would be like, it would, it would be like a 10 minute Tedism. And you know what? Yeah. I wonder how much of that was improved by Jason, because we've kind of learned that a lot of these, like the tan line speech, the dart speech, this is going to be known as the believe speech. Like all of those happen in a way that allow for him to kind of improvise the scene as well. And man, oh, that guy just brings it, mm. you know, yeah, in a, in a way of... that nobody else does. But and, and I know we're going to talk about it. it's literally the end of the episode. I just thought I'd bring it up because I'm sure people are thinking about it right now. I will say that right before he gives that speech, he's able to maybe for the first time that we've seen as an audience control his panic attack. Yeah. And I think that that is a huge impetus for launching into this idea that, you know, he's kind of sick of this shit and he's just ready to get us to believe in ourselves and believe in people together and how much we can do if we actually do that and it doesn't matter if we have a sign we just need to have that belief moving forward i just a a strong and amazing message it just was one of those moments i just did not anticipate that being uh, something that would happen at the end of the episode. No, and I, and I'll get to give you that. Like when it happens, it definitely is a shocking moment, and the rest of the team makes that a a very you know uh, apparent uh, and funny slash shocking thing that happens there. But yeah, when you consider the avatar of what that sign is for the team, Ted is definitely making it in such a way that. You know, it's time to stop believing in the externalities and it's time to start internalizing all of this stuff. And it also makes me think, you know, we're going to get to a lot more of this stuff at the end, but it also makes me think maybe that teaser 
with all of the belief signs that the players were making on their own, maybe that is actually in this season. Maybe this is something that they all do. I don't know if it'll happen in the next episode, but maybe like if we are heading for a championship run here, maybe it's something they do before the last game. I don't know, but like I'm starting to think that scene with all the belief signs might be real. Um, it might actually be a real thing, huh? It I don't might know. Be arts and craft day at, uh, at the, the Richmond, at the dog track. At, yeah, exactly. At the dog track. Uh, so I'm uh, sorry to completely knock you off base. I just knew that people were probably thinking about it. It was top of mind. So I thought top of episode, but please, sir, continue with the episode. Yes, indeed. Well, let's go right to the top here. Um, we open up on, of course, the audio of three whistles signaling the end of a match. Arlo White tells us that things have not been going well for Richmond since their loss to West Ham. They have been on a losing streak. Um, it's been happening literally for the entire last month since that. Now, look, I'm not sure exactly like what, you know, they're constituting like a losing streak here is. It might not be all losses. They might count draws in that because when we cut to the office, Beard, I think, is putting up a three in the loss column. And I'm pretty sure Premier League plays twice a week. So, uh, you know, if you don't count for the externalities like, you know, other tournaments like the uh, FA Cup or the UEFA Champions League, you know, maybe that's kind of something where they get that. But either way, Richmond has not won since their game at West Ham. Um, can, and, can I go on a quick tangent here? Yeah. So at the beginning, this is a real tangent, folks. So go on a walk with me here for a second. So at the beginning, they lose to Newcastle, which made me think about the Newcastle beer. And what I will say is that somehow, <laughs> some way, They've completely changed the recipe of Newcastle beer. Like, I mean, I didn't have it for a few years, but now, like, I went back to it recently, and it is, it tastes so different. So if anybody knows what happened to Newcastle, did it get purchased by somewhere else or what happened, (laughs) please let me know. Drop a line uh, for sure, because I just want to know what happened to my beer. Go ahead, Jeremy. My God, man, you were not kidding. <laughs> we went to the, I don't know, maybe the Crown and Anchor guys were drinking some of this new Newcastle beer um, that you're there because they are not happy and neither are the rest of the fans. Uh, they are, in fact, some that are booing the team as they are moving off the field. And it's not looking like it's going to get any better because Manchester City is coming in, the mighty white whale of uh, AFC Richmond. Um, and they have fallen to ninth in the table where they were all the way up at number three. Um, so everyone is not happy back in the office though. Beard is, uh, updating that chart. And of course Higgins, uh, kind of reads this. I'm just going to say it a very awkward text when we learn the context of it, but we'll get into that. I guess, um, uh, Ted says he doesn't understand what's happening here. The effort is clearly there. And even Arlo white calls it out that the talent is on the field, but it's starting to look like maybe there's a problem with the manager side of it. Higgins thinks it's defense. Beard thinks it's offense. Roy thinks that it's Zava that's thrown the whole team off. But as Rebecca comes in, she's all smiley and she asks yells. In fact, that when are they ever going to win another match? The whole dynamic of this entire staff, shifts here a ton in this one scene and then of course as ted dances around that anger nobody knows what direction north is apparently (laughs) before we roll our credits so craig things are not going well for afc richmond here as we open this episode i love how they personify like all of them are going in the wrong direction they're going in different directions point and like they do that with that whole north bit that is just it's so it's so great to see that because like it's just a visualization of the fact that this coaching staff and this management, this owner is they're not all going in the same direction. They don't know which direction they're going into. And uh, they kind of 
also talk about that with, oh, is it the defense? Is it the offense? Is it Zava? What is it? What's these external factors that are going on? But I did really enjoy this scene, of course, because like it is like one of those moments in the coach's office that turns into that kind of banter that we really enjoy from this show. I think it's interesting how often we've seen Rebecca in the locker room or talking to the entirety of the coaching staff this mm. season already, because that's not something necessarily that she did a ton in the first two seasons. And in fact, you know, we have those great moments and we are expecting another one probably around <laughs> episode nine or so uh, of, of Rebecca coming in and having this revelation with Ted because that's happened in the two previous seasons, but they've almost made a big deal out of the fact that she's going down to his office. Now that's not the only times that she's in the offices. I know that in season one, of course, she's down there when they're promoting Nathan from being the kitman to being a coach and all of that. And she joins them uh, for the bonfire, of course, but like, we still don't necessarily see her. I don't think in this way, interacting with the coaching staff, in the previous two seasons. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would say that. And, uh, but I think that is also just a, a, you know, kind of evolution of her character. You know, at first she's trying to torpedo the team. Then she's at least not getting in their way. Then she's actively trying to get them promoted. And now I think, you know, that she's up in the premier league. And now that Rupert has a different team, now she's taking on a more hands-on role with the team because she still has this unfinished business of not dealing with her feelings towards Rupert. Um, and it, at least wanting to beat him according to her own words, but more likely probably trying to crush him in her own uh, self-honesty there. Um, so, but I do agree that she is down there more often, but I think it's a natural evolution of her character there. Um, but after we roll our credits here, we are back on Rebecca at the same restaurant where she broke up with the, um, ever lovable John Wings Knight uh, in season two. Um, of course, John Wings Knight. John Wings Knight. Yes, uh, and of course, this is the person that Roy uh, famously told her is just like he's just fine, but you deserve someone that you know makes you feel like you're on fire. Um, she once again lightning, notices, lightning, oh, lightning. Yes, yeah, struck by Come lightning. On. Well, you know, if you get struck by lightning, you probably caught on fire. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> she uh, once again notices the green matchbook though from Sam's restaurant, um, and that is still on her mind. And then who walks? up but john john himself i was literally thinking as we were watching i was listening was so fun i was like oh the same restaurant where, where she and john broke up and there he freaking is um uh, but he has a new fiance named jessica darling um and they tell a story about them meeting online and meeting anthony hopkins at a performance of hamilton because sure um and that he sort of sort of defended her honor even though they were trying to get him to do something that he didn't want to do whatever they said they took an ussy i just love that ussies are still a thing uh just it feels like ussy has taken off in Ted lasso world but jessica here accidentally calls him uh john though her shite in nining armor oh man greg this is what tish was saying when she was in the session there rebecca is freaked what is your read on this scene man i kind of like that it went this direction with like a, a former boyfriend because it put some complexity into this. So many people were trying to discern what was meant by the uh, shite and nining armor. Mm -hmm. And they kept thinking it was somehow meant that Rebecca was going to end up with Jamie Tart because he wears the number nine and he is quite the shite uh, in some of these episodes. <laughs> okay. But, you know, I, okay. I, I don't know if you had seen that, like, you know, that speculation online, but I love that um, they bring him back in 
they give him some really funny lines to say you know the yeah. fact that he's like he's like you know i don't just come to this restaurant all the time hoping that you'll <laughs> see me here with my fiance i just like to come here you know kind of thing and then that I come the here Anthony Hopkins you. thing yeah. like that is so that's so wonderful like the the fact that they're they're talking like he's like no you will take a, a yeah. with us like and that that's like seen um, as like defending her honor <laughs> just like you did you didn't you need to defend anthony hopkins honor here man he's just trying to enjoy a show yeah absolutely but i uh i like these little scenes and little interactions and i love bringing back these minor characters you know that that's my my mantra here i love that the production team spends time to revisit some of this world that maybe we're not expecting them to i don't know that anybody thought that that dude was coming back for an episode right on wings night <laughs> he, he was not on my season three bingo card no um, i will give you that um but you're right it is just nice to see i mean they get a nice little moment it's not like a bitter thing it's just you know hey look they found some happiness maybe rebecca can too um speaking uh though of happiness here back at keely's um we see that she is meeting with barbara and jack about expanding keely is against that and jack actually agrees much to barb's chagrin um i'm really starting to like barb Barb. Uh, I like that, you know, when something oh, doesn't Babs. happen, she like doesn't hold back or anything like that. Very funny line from Jack that might end up in Tennisms later. Um, but Shandy walks in and she tells Keely that she started a new app like Banter, but better that helps people uh, actually helps people with their desire to sleep with celebrities called. Uh, we'll just do, do a nice little uh, profanity warning here because it's called Starfucker, but whatever. <laughs> so, that is the best. I, I absolutely love that as a name. Of course, yeah. Shandy would come up with the name Starfucker. The, like, uh, <laughs> really? the, the subtlety is not her strong point. Um, this is actually, though, I think the very passive aggressive. She tells Jack she's looking for investors. Jack surmises that uh, she's still pretty angry about the banter incident. Um, and then Jack's gives, and I don't know about you, but Jack gave me a big fake out here when she started talking to Keely um, about letting her go. But of course, she's trying to give Keely some advice about how to fire Shandy with a compliment sandwich. Um, and of course, Keely, though, tells her that she can't fire him because she'll uh, hate her and she really thinks she's killing it um and then the two of them go out uh there for lunch so what did you think here of you know what is jack you do you think thinking about keely and her relationship at least with shandy here you know i think it's i i, I like the relationship that's that's budding here and of course we're going to get a lot of that um and later on in the episode oh, and a man. lot of a lot <laughs> of people online called that i yeah. you know wasn't necessarily something that I was expecting to happen, but then you saw so much speculation and everything online last week. And, you know, uh, it, it seems like they called it right on the nose. So well done, Ted Lasso Twitter and Ted Lasso um, <laughs> Facebook land out there for sure. But, you know, I'll say that like, I really don't know how I feel about Shandy as a antagonist or a character. Mm. I, I kind of, I don't know if this is like I could do with less Shandy. Uh, so her getting fired, I don't think it's going to lead to less Shandy because I think she's going to, you know, have an ax to grind against Keely and kind of really come after her. But I have not necessarily been the biggest fan of that particular character. I think she's acted very well. I'm, you know, nothing against the the actress that's playing her. It just hasn't been like the the moments that are focusing on Shandy. I feel like would be better spent focusing on maybe like 10 of the other storylines that we're trying to <laughs> juggle in the air here in season three. Yeah. So that's where I'm at. I do like Jack uh, quite a bit. I like this, uh, you know, I, she's a high caliber actress. She's doing a great job. And like, 
I, I do enjoy the chemistry that she has with Juno Temple as well. And it's, it's kind of becoming evident on screen, isn't it? Yeah. And I'll tell you this one. I think that Shandy, I don't know if we're going to see her again. Um, and in a way I kind we're of totally going to see her again. I don't know though, because like I, I put in my notes here, like this is a very like Edwin Akufo exit that she does, uh, <laughs> that she does later in the episode. We never saw him again. At least we haven't yet. Um, but that felt like a Some pretty people final... have, you know, this potential spoilers, I guess. I don't know. People have said that on IMDb, Sam Richardson's listed in at least one episode. Oh um, well, look at that. Season three. I mean, it'd be nice to to have him back. I suppose he was absolutely hilarious, but I don't know. It, it seems like a pretty definitive exit for her later in this. But the passive aggressiveness is just off the charts here. Um, but you're right. I am liking Jack as a character, um, and I'm interested to see what she means with Keeley because there's obviously a lot of emotional baggage that Keeley has not dealt with, um, and that mm. uh, maybe Jack will help her get there, or maybe Jack is the love of her life. Who knows? Uh, we will figure that out. Um, but back at the dog track, uh, the team sees a story online about Nate dating the supermodel Anastasia, almost said like Anastasia, um, but Anastasia. You may as well. It's yeah, totally exactly fun. right. That They think that maybe it's a reverse she's all that situation. Again, just love all of the like like 90s callbacks and everything like that, early 2000s callbacks. Um, but and, of course, and the callback to My Fair Lady and the Pygmalion. In Pygmalion, <laughs> yeah, man. And I, lo- I do love how that one is literally like, you know, she's all that is like the lowest common denominator of that Colin thinks he's upping it with like a oh you know my fair lady which also goes to the musical theater love and everything like that but then Sam even shows his incredible learning as we like actually it's Bernard Shaw but you know George Bernard Shaw um, so a very interesting way that they do that but um, they do think uh, I did note here that Isaac said that but his transformation will be on the inside talking about Nate I don't know maybe a little foreshadowing to what happens later in this episode here um, and I would put down Zero, but that's not his name anymore. Van Dam actually asks uh, Zava what he thinks about Anastasia, and uh, Zava, our, our our boy Max, just once again crushing it. He says he sees only his wife; all other women are smudges. And uh, he describes his wife literally looking exactly like Rachel Lee Cook from She's All That. Um, and then he says he doesn't watch movies; he only watches his wife. Um, <laughs> You know, Max, once again, absolutely crushing it here. Um, But back in the office, though, the staff, they are lamenting on what to do to change up the offense. And everything they say, they're just like, they're going to be screwed no matter what when they're playing Man City. And I loved this, Craig. Trent speaks up kind of in the same way that Nate speaks up first time when he's trying to do some stuff. He's very shy about it. And he's like kind of pulled into it by the coaching staff, just like Beard and Ted pulled Nate into it. So very interesting. I'm hoping this begins Trent getting more and more involved in this. Um, And the other great thing about this too is like they do the whole metaphor of the monkey being attacked and everything and they're doing the noises and Roy joins in Roy's Roy. Roy's monkey noises are just like they're perfect oh Roy. my god it was so perfect but you're right about the whole trend thing like you're having flashbacks to Ted saying oh what's that I'm sorry I have a hard time oh, uh, hearing people that don't so believe loud. in themselves yeah. yeah exactly and so like it's just uh, I I really loved that uh, Trent is kind of getting in on it here and he's still trying to be that journalist. He's like, no, I'm only here to observe. I can't, I can't participate. And then he does participate and he's like, ah, no, you guys are probably screwed anyway. Like, you yeah. know, like, so I, I did um, James Lance. Oh, I love that guy. Mm. And I'm so glad like he's such a pivotal part. He clearly was a fan favorite. And, you know, there's this article that's going around how he basically like talked his way into more Ted Lasso. Um, and so that's why he's up there uh, and in season three considerably more. It, it, all of that is wonderful. Like Trent Krim has been since 
at least episode three, Trent Krem, the independent, a fan favorite. I'm just glad to see him uh, back there. I also, you know, we didn't get as far into the talk about bullying yet. Um, I didn't know if you were going to continue on with that, but I can just totally jump the gun here and, and just talk about um, Roy on how to beat a bully. Was <laughs> well, yeah, because of course, well, yeah, let's just give it in there because, of course, uh, Ted gets a text message, um, that basically says that, um, Henry, uh, was bullied or that, uh, no, Michelle texts him, he says she... that Henry said there was an incident at school, um, involving bullying. Um, and so, yes. of course, Ted immediately goes to that Henry was bullied at school, and all of the reactions are great. Beard immediately is ready to roll on a flight, he has, knows when the flights are, which is both you know expected and impressive um and that he's gonna burn the kid's house down which is a little extreme here but then man oh man craig what what's roy's example of how to get revenge oh my god like it's just so great to like the red paint as well I like know, that, is, that was a great way they think that they're in their own blood and then you just keep laughing at them uh it's so great and like if you listen like watching it back the second time i also because you're transfixed on what brett is saying but every now and then uh, beard shouts out like a, yeah, yeah. Like kind of like <laughs> encouraging him on, which again, I just want to remind people that we are going to be starting off our side podcast. Uh, they're bromates. They're bromates. Beard yeah. and Roy uh, <laughs> podcast. So that that's exactly who like, I just love. I do especially love that like his, so great. his big agreement was about how 4am is the best time to attack. Cause they're the least prepared to defend themselves. And he's just yeah. Like, that's when beard goes. You're right. He's just like, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> These guys are quickly becoming friends and we are all better for it. Um, but this is interesting though. This is going to be a new wrinkle for Ted to have to deal with here um, in terms of bullying. And definitely again, probably some, inf- uh, some complexes about not being able there to be there to help with it. But before we get to any of that, Higgins is entering Rebecca's office and he's really formal about it and she even says that it's really freaking her out and he goes on a very long rhetorical route to suggest that if the Man City match doesn't go well then they should maybe consider changing managers and Rebecca cannot deal with this she says she uses the clause of quickly changing the subject to ask Higgins if he believes in psychics of course Higgins does um, he talks about how his aunt uh, predicted that he would have five boys and has a fun little thing about toilets um, but of course uh, she then confides in him her visit to Tish and all about kind of how she's kind of freaked out by it and stuff and he gives her some comfort so what do you think of this uh, Craig because I think this is like the first time where we really get some meat for Jeremy Swift in this season so far yeah I think he does excellent work here be like being nervous about telling her that Ted needs to be replaced as a manager he also has a good Tedism in here that I'll get back to later as oh well. yes and I um you know I, I think that it speaks to their relationship, uh, the evolution of that relationship. Remember that this was definitely a cold relationship in season one. In her phone, she had him listed as shithead for a long time. <laughs> and now uh, she used to call him Higgins uh, quite frequently. And then in this scene in particular, I noticed that she's calling him Leslie uh, as well. Mm-hmm. And so they're really on the same page here. And she's thinking the exact same thing that he's thinking. And I think that that will be interesting to see what happens in the next episode. I think that'll be something that's addressed fairly quickly. What do they do about the coaching staff after what will eventually become the Man City loss that we're going to talk about here in a little bit? Because, um, you know, you see that all the time in professional sports, that you have to move on from a coach, even if it's a coach that is adored and loved by the fans, 
They've been there for forever. I mean, there's talk about like, again, bringing it back to American football, like is Bill Belichick finally on the hot seat in New England. <laughs> um, and of course he is a legend in New England, right? But this year, if he's not going to deliver, is this going to be his last year there? And it's just because there's so much like you're so fickle in sports that even though Ted just led this team that was relegated his first season back to promotion and then was flying high with Zava and they were expected to end in 20th place. We're still here getting the conversation that maybe he needs to be replaced as a coach. And so uh, I thought that it was good chemistry between uh, Hannah and Jeremy. And I, I just thought it was well delivered. Yeah, I agree with you there. And again, you know, I, I don't know if there's going to be a lot of managerial repercussions here because at the very least Higgins Higgins is there for the speech at the end. And I think he sees that something has shifted in that locker room at the end of this episode. And so I think he's going to be there and be able to like reassure Rebecca if she even has any doubts that like he's there. And plus I have a theory about what's going to happen in the next episode anyway um, with certain people. So we will, you know, see what's out there but uh we're going back to west ham now rupert's assistant gives nate anastasia's number and says that she wants him to call her and that she was surprised that he didn't ask her for her number at uh, bones and honey um but he says he didn't want to be too forward so he dials uh, and does a really good i think uh, ask out um, on the phone there but of course it's a fake out because it's actually his mom and he's practicing and i love it that he even writes down notes on his ask out from her he takes like grammar notes um craig this to me just suggests the old Nate is still there. And I think this episode has done a lot more to show that there is a path to redemption for Nate than any other one so far. Oh yeah. It's like the entire taste of Athens scene that we're going to talk about here in a little bit. And like um, how he ultimately ends up uh, the night with Jade. And like, I, I think that you see a lot of this kind of percolating in his mind and that he really wants this old Nate to come out. And so I see a path where, you know, I, I'm starting to see the light here, man. They're talking so much about <laughs> Man City being the white whale, and they really hadn't acknowledged that a ton in previous seasons, but they certainly hit it a ton of times in this particular episode. Do we see a world where Rupert fires Nate because Nate is becoming him his old self, and then he actually does uh, rejoin that coaching staff over at Richmond. I mean, because a lot of people have asked, and, and I think even in our um, Facebook group, I don't know if it was Philip or if it was Ryan, one of them posted, you know, like who they haven't replaced Nathan as a coach yet. Why haven't they done that? And so it's just like, you know, I, th I think that that's not outside the realm of possibility, right? Yeah, I agree. And I mean, you know, it, it certainly seems that maybe if, you know, West Ham does go on, like I could see a scenario where maybe like Nate, now has supposedly Jade here and that, you know, his focus gets taken away from soccer a little bit onto his personal relationship. Maybe that makes the team slip a little bit. And then yes, Rupert kind of scapegoats him there. Um, and then, you know, you get a forgiveness angle. I would actually really kind of like that um, because I think again, Nick Muhammad is just crushing it this year. He doesn't have as many scenes as he had last year, I think, but so far, but he's absolutely crushing every single scene he's in here. Um, so really, really happy with what it is there. But I mean, 
Craig, let's get to it. Let's give Tori over there at uh, their soulmates some uh, some fodder here because Ted and Rebecca, they're walking down the halls of Richmond with purpose and they're both merely glancing at each other as they pass by, just like coach, boss. And this feels so super strange to them. They both immediately stop. It just reconvenes. It was like, this isn't how we talk to each other. Um, and so Ted actually says that he knows that she still feels bad about yelling at him. And then, then she says, he and then he says he can be a little bit psychic. This freaks her out quite a bit because that's what her mind's on so she says that she shouldn't have bullied him this freaks ted out so much they both walk away freaked out here craig are we getting closer to soulmate territory here i don't know like you know there there's so there's so much non-verbal communication that's going on between the two of these actors uh this season in particular mm -hmm. like you've seen so many different facial expressions um little like hints at something there and I, you know, uh, I, <laughs> I don't know, man. I like, I, I really, go, like, I, I Believe, just want to, I want to make sure that if the word Ted Becca is mentioned oh, on man. this podcast, that we do it with, um, some level of knowing that, um, we are not the experts on Ted Becca. No. If you want that, definitely go and check out Tori's show, uh, their soulmates, but could I see that being a possibility? Absolutely. Am I still leaning the Kenny Madison from Lasso Cats? Let's just bring in all of our friends. Yeah, all the, all the all Lasso the uh, super friends um, here. <laughs> you know, I, I'm still leaning Kenny's direction that the end of this show has to be Ted returning home. Mm. Now, just, I don't think Rebecca Walton's going to go with him if he returns home. So hey. we'll see what ends up happening. But I do love, I love that, you know, they both bring up the thing that is on each other's mind um just and and that really freaks them both out and they're both well done with how they stage that and how it all looks they both seem to be on the same wavelengths i don't know i'm just saying but uh let's talk about people who aren't though as keely comes back to her office and barbara informs her that shandy called the sunglasses designer emma j to pitch her i, I heard it this way condoms for balls <laughs> condoms for balls yeah Sure. Okay. Um, not sure what that would do, but uh, of course, she also says that you Shandy know, was drunk when she nope, did this. Nope, not gonna go. Don't. Nope. nope we're not mind. gonna get into that. Um, um, there. There. Nope. Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. I'm just gonna skip that. <laughs> uh, well, but um, because of this phone call, though, Emma J has dropped uh, the agency's clients, and so this is definitely the last straw um, for Keely. She calls Shandy in her office. Shandy literally says, "Can you give me 30 minutes?" Like, come on, this is so terrible. Keely does, though, indeed fire her. Um, it does not go well. Uh, Shandy attempts the Jerry Maguire exit, uh, but does not quite go as well as she wants to. And again, I say a tirade walking out worthy of Edwin Akufo. Uh, um, so I don't know, Craig, do you think that Shandy's coming back for her or have we seen the last of her? No, she's totally coming back. 100%. I'm staking a claim here. If I'm wrong, you can all yell at me later. Shandy's definitely coming back because they've already established that she's going to do the lamb later. And um, I, I think that she is going to be a thorn in, the, in Keely's side. I still think that, you know, whether that's her now, we still haven't seen her go after Jamie. Yeah. And so if Shandy is knowing that Keely is in this kind of somewhat emotionally vulnerable state, now she probably isn't going to know about the relationship with Jack, but um, if she's someone that's vindictive, as this scene shows she clearly is, mm. then 
she could easily be going after Jamie next just to take it out on Keeley, right? So I think that we absolutely get Shandy back in this season. I don't think it's an Edwin Akufo, um, you know, setup because that happened later in the season too. I mean, this is still only episode five, man. That's um, true. And we do have the exit though of, and we're going to talk about it later, but like if we were to not see Shandy again, and then let's speculate that we were to not see Zava again, then I don't, I don't know how successful their storylines ultimately were because I want more, I, I want more of Zava with Shandy. I don't know that I need a ton more, but <laughs> they've set her, but they've set her up as the antagonist to Keely. Yeah. And that doesn't feel resolved yet. So even though I don't necessarily like the direction of the character, I feel like we still need the character. Does that make sense? Yeah, I could see that. And, you know, it's it's not that there's not something to do there. You're right. Like, you know, if Keely needs to go through a little bit more adversity with her agency, um, especially since it seems that she and Jack are going to be on some good terms for a while there. So she's got the VC, um, you know, backing there. It's going to be hard for Shandy to make a big dent. But then again, Shandy plays dirty. So maybe she goes after some of Keely's clients. Uh, in a way that that does not uh you know is rather uncouth uh just like her um but either way um we I, I do also love Barbara when you know Shandy tries to get her and she says like I couldn't I couldn't be less with you it's <laughs> just a fantastic line delivery excellent excellent but we're back to Rebecca now she's answering a fancy room that is a doctor's waiting room uh and this is obviously some kind of doctor here she looks around and sees a lot of couples filling out paperwork some of them look happy some serious um and she really focuses in on this paperwork on the emergency contact field um, when the doctor comes and gets her. Now, again, Craig, I would seem to think that this is her thinking, like, who would I even put in this box? And it seems Ted would be the likely the likely person to put. You know, it's Keely Jones. I will say, like, you know, that is something that has been weird, you know, like kind of recently. Um, sure. filling out an emergency contact like it's something that you don't think about like if you're in a couple or if you have a spouse or whatever um, but then like you know if you're not in that situation then it's like yeah who do you list like you know yeah. my my mom is like you know three hours away from here she's your whatever. emergency contact so, that's adorable I love it <laughs> and so I put uh I I, I mean you know, putting it out there, you're my emergency contact on at least something that I filled out. Oh, I dude, can't remember I, what I, it was. Again, I'll, I'll do the love fest here because you're definitely one of mine. So, you know. okay, good, good. <laughs> See, guys, we're friends. Oh, look oh. at that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, but anyway, but no, it is weird. Like, why do, why, why do we even have, what, why, I what purpose know. does that serve only to make people feel awkward? If they're in like Hannah's position here or Rebecca's position here. I suppose so. it did kind of feel like there was some tinnitus ringing uh, that was going on there too. So maybe again, a little mini panic attack um, that Rebecca's feeling. Cause I think I'd have to go back and, and listen. Cause she also had a little bit of that. Exactly. Um, you know, a couple of episodes ago, but I, I didn't necessarily catch that it might not have watch. been exactly what ted goes through but it was definitely like some kind of like sucking you out of the room type thing because of course she's broken back into it by the doctor they go back to his office and they're familiar with each other they share a lot of small talk about the season but then she asks if it's possible for her to have a child and the doctor basically reassures her he's just like you know like no it's not far-fetched at all let's run some tests and we'll see and so 
Craig, really, my question that came from this was, do you think that this is something she did with Rupert? That's why this doctor is familiar with her um, and that maybe she's been through this whole scenario before? Because the the downside or the kind of mark against that is that wouldn't the doctor then just be able to say, like, well, we already did this, you know? Yeah, I, I um, don't proclaim to know enough about uh, OBs and exactly what they do. Um, but I will say that, yeah, it seems like this also could be a, a family doctor and we don't know what Rebecca's relationships had been in the past. Mm. We kind of don't know a lot about what had happened to her in the past. All we know is that Rupert was an asshole and <laughs> that he basically told her that he didn't want kids with her. And so we don't know if she ever really got the opportunity to um, talk to him, but like you'd assume that she's still going to the gynecologist. Right. I mean, like, right. you know, so I don't, I don't know that we can presume that her and Rupert, you know, tested or anything like that about whether or not she could actually have children because sure. it, Rupert made it pretty clear um, that he didn't want children with her. Yeah. So. Which was an especially dastardly knife turn, just the way he delivered that line. But um, we are going to run some tests and we are going to find out. So back at the club, though, the team is working out. Um, I do love, again, the leadership here of Isaac McAdoo telling them to, you know, get some rest and everything and telling them not to play video games before bed. Um, being a little de facto team dad here. Um, but all the team is still pretty much lamenting their current fortunes. But Jamie, again, man, come on. Can we not, like, love Jamie Tart enough this season? Like, he's trying so hard to be that leader that everyone wants that alpha player that believes in what is supposed to be believed in he rallies like with this like big like leadership pump up thing saying like don't worry about that we can beat this team we can do this let's just leave all this stuff behind and of course Zava has to completely co-opt it he says basically the exact same thing that he does but way more flowery and of course uh, they add some epic music underneath there and everyone is totally energized there except for Jamie um, we contrast this with back at home ted finally connects with michelle who informs him that henry was in fact the one who is doing the bullying in this situation um and then she also mentions that uh jacob took him to the park to get some fresh air ted kind of rebusted this a little bit but also kind of moves on um and the last thing before i get your thoughts on this though craig is that I don't know if you noticed, but we have to call it out when it ever shows up on screen. But on the counter there, an open jar of peanut butter. I just freaking love uh, it. It's love still it. there. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Absolutely. Uh, it's so great to see that callback. And, you know, maybe he just puts some biscuits with it hey, you know, there you at go. one point. He, put, he at on. least puts them there when he's baking them for Rebecca there. So, um, but this is actually, as it turns out, the last uh, big scene we get with Zava, maybe ever here. So how, how do you think Max did on his final big moment here? Oh, I loved it. Like kind of like the passing of the torch over to Jamie Tart a little bit as well. <laughs> kind of like um, you needed me, like, it, like in a kind of an existential way, he was sort of like, you needed me but now you no longer need me. You are, you can do this together as a team. Yeah. And I sort of appreciate that. And maybe that's why he's been on, you know, 14 clubs in 15 years and all of that, <laughs> because uh, he feels like once his work is done, he's going to move on. So he's, Although, a, he's a soccer you know, he's Mary Poppins. Huh? <laughs> right. Exactly. Soccer Poppins. Soccer uh, Poppins. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, he's leaving them when they're on a downturn. Yeah. But I think that he notices, I think everybody notices uh, or will start to notice the development of Jamie Tart as a true leader here. 
which is sort of interesting, right? Because like I keep coming back to that one screen grab in the teaser that shows Sam wearing the captain's badge, mm-hmm. arm badge. And like, I just don't, I don't know. Like I love Sam to death, but man, Jamie Tart's killing it this season, right? Like in yeah. the, the growth that he's having, we're seeing him, we're going to see him at the end of the episode, talk about going out at 4am with Roy. I think that we're going to see a, a really a, a tartessence here in the end of season three. Yeah, you are right on the you're right on my wavelength here. Um, I'm predicting big things from Jamie Tart in episode six, uh, maybe even for the rest of the year. But we will, of course, get to that. But before we get to it, it's match day, everyone. And hopes are high. And I do love that Arlo White has a line here about like, normally you just pencil in the loss before you play it <laughs> when you're playing Man City. I thought that was so funny. Um, but, you know, we go back out to uh, Keeley's office first and um you know, Dan makes a joke out of uh, quitting before he leaves for the day. And I don't know about you, but this was just, I think, like a clear sign that Keely is winning over these uh, incredibly dull people at her office. And that they're st- finally starting to come out of their shell and stuff like that. Um, but, of course, uh, she asked Jack and Barb if they want to go to the game uh, or to the match. Barb says no after <laughs> thinking it won't be as violent. Just we'll unpack that later um, and everything like that. But back at the locker room though, Roy is pumping up all the lads uh, with some specific greetings. I especially love that his greeting to Sam was outclass them. Um, so again, absolutely knowing who these players are, but of course he notices that Zava is nowhere to be found. Very, very interesting. Um, so Ted enters the office there. Also, he congrats himself on 110 days straight of no pee drips on his khakis. Excellent. Dude, you can't you can't steal my Tedism. I didn't know that was a Tedism. <laughs> how is that not a Tedism? Okay. Audience. So Ted goes in and uh, says Ted goes in and says something that uh, we will talk about later um, about urination. Um, but Beard tells him a very heartfelt thing here that uh, basically Henry's going to be okay because Ted is his father, um, which is really, really a great thing there. Uh, Roy informs him that they have a big problem. Meanwhile, back at Keeley, Shandy uh, has given her final parting gift, and she's left Clarice the lamb in the conference room, and it is filled with nonstop lamb droppings, which, of course, you'll remember, Craig, are the most smelly uh, droppings in the animal world. (laughs) So uh, what do you think here of this uh, game day preparation couple of scenes here? Yeah, I really uh, enjoyed this. I mean, going back to, I, I like the subtleness of, uh, and maybe it wasn't so subtle, but like Ted, even back when he's talking to Michelle about Henry and the bullying and he starts to pour water, but then as soon as Jake is mentioned, he moves on to the alcohol like right away. Mm, yeah. um, I really yeah, enjoyed yeah. that. And then also like, I, I, I did enjoy Beard here saying, you know what, uh, Henry's going to be okay because you're his dad. And he's going to be all right. And like Ted appreciating that, Mm -hmm. I think even more than what we normally would see Ted do. I think normally he could kind of make a a pun or a joke off of that, but he just basically says like, you know, I really needed to hear that. And so, no, I really needed to hear that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like I just really enjoyed, uh, I just really enjoyed uh, that interaction quite a bit. And yeah, then we get to uh, 
we we get to find out what this team is made of without Zaba, right? Yeah, and well, um, not not a lot so far, but uh, you know what? <laughs> we might we might get there. But then again, it's you know uh, it's Man City, but uh, the so this kind of starts this three story tier here that keeps coming in and out at the end of this episode. So we could take a little bit of them all at once. Let's just do that so we can kind of like uh, streamline a little here. First one is basically Nate on his date with Anastasia. He brings her to Taste of Greece. And again, like he just can't get away from here. Um, and there's a reason for that. But I do love that once again, Jade is there. My girl, Jade, I placed the marker down last episode. It looks like it's you did. Off. Well done. Um, but she is once again, just thoroughly unimpressed by Nate, um, especially pretty much everything. She's going to take them to the back again, but then the owner takes them to the window seat. And Nate, it seems, is finally happy. He's there uh, at the window seat that he thinks he's earned uh, in a way. Um, but Anastasia basically says it's not very nice. Um, but Nate tells her, wait, the baklava is divine. And of course, that line makes Jade uh, smirk a little bit there. Um, but uh, as we, you know, a, a couple of scenes later, though, we're back at the restaurant and Nate, um, um, is uh, he's basically ordered like a bunch of dips for the table and everything like that. And, you know, he's trying to tell her and, and Anastasia keeps lamenting that the place just isn't nice. It's not really her. So they try the food uh, in this weird way and everything. She asks to leave and he gives this great little moment here where he tells her that all of the big moments in his life have basically been celebrated at this restaurant, you know? And so in a way that makes it more than cool. It makes it mean more to him. Um, but during all of this, Anastasia is texting and then like she says that she needs to go make a call. She takes all her stuff out and totally ditches him right there as all of her friends are in a convertible playing pick me up before you go go which reminded me of Zoolander I don't know if that's you as well um, but back at the restaurant a little bit later um, he's still sitting there alone as Jade brings up the baklava for two and he says I can't eat that alone unless you'd care to join me and surprisingly she smiles at him and says yes and as she once again quotes his divine comment and it looks like these two very much clearly like each other here so Craig what do you make of this restaurant scenes here with Nate Anastasia and it seems Jade's going to be around for a little bit. Well, she might be, but I think that you were right when you talked about this a little bit earlier that we're seeing the old Nate return here and he's finally got his window seat and he's finally got some companionship with his window seat as well, which is something that he hadn't had before either. And so I, you know, perhaps the next thing to fall is some kind of level of respect or something that comes from his family as well. I don't know, but I do. I'm starting to see this, a world where either Nate leaves West Ham or Rupert fires him. And I, you know, I could see, you know, like pick them, whatever, whichever one you want, the outcome you want, but maybe I'm crazy, but I, I think that that might be one of the directions that we're going into I guess we'll find out in the last seven episodes. Yeah, and again, I'm starting to like that idea there because, again... Nate's entire scenario at West Ham is like based upon him being always angry or always feeling inferior or always feeling like he's not himself or that himself, the real Nate is somebody that he cannot let out, that he can't be in this world and be himself. And now he's got Jade who has literally always been unimpressed with him. But when he starts showing who he really is, that is when she starts smiling when he's talking about divine baklava and when he's not being this pompous, I'm the manager of West Ham person. That's when she really kind of starts 
starts opening up to him and stuff and seeing that he is just this kind of lovable person here. So I'm liking this the long game that they're playing here. And I think I do like maybe Jade allows him to be himself, but those two things just can't clash or, or clash and can't coexist at West Ham. And it leads to tension that maybe brings that maybe brings the football team down or you're right, maybe just leads to Rupert saying you don't have that killer instinct anymore. We're done with you. Um, so either way there. Uh, the other scene that happens here is, of course, a back and forth with Jack and Keeley um, at the office. They uh, clean up all the lamb poop um, and stuff um, and then basically have this moment where they find their romance for each other and uh you know part of that though is keely not quite being able to deal with the emotions of the breakups like jack talks about her ex who was a clown um and stuff like that but keely when she's trying to talk about her breakups she's clearly still very much hurting here and i found it interesting craig did you that she couldn't quite articulate which ex she wanted to talk about in this scene well, I think, you know, she initially was going to talk about Roy. And then when Jack brings up Jamie, that's when she's like, well, no, you're right. Like it, it almost kind of like threw her that yeah. Jack would talk about Jamie. And this is this is not the first time that that's happened. I mean, think about when you're in Ola's and they're at the grand opening and we see her, you know, Hannah is looking at Sam or Rebecca is looking at Sam. And then we see that Keely is looking over at Roy, but then she also pans over to Jamie as well. So it's only, it's like, um, we're coming full circle with that relationship. I do, like I said, call out the, the internet sleuths that predicted this. Uh, for some reason, it went right over my head uh, <laughs> that Jack and Keely would get together here. Uh, clearly, you're all, you all are right. Maybe you should host a, a podcast uh, on <laughs> Ted Lasso. Hey, and now, don't put us out do. of work, man. You know, it's a wide ocean out there. There's plenty. There's plenty of room, folks. Apparently, we've got a lot of Vikings fans and Bears fans that are mad at us and still listen to us. We need the other NFC North uh, kind of Yeah, come on, Detroit Lions fans. Yeah, where are you at, man? man? Come on. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, it it just like I I am interested to see where this goes, this love uh, dodecahedron that is starting to uh, arise from... Keely here. Nice. Yeah, this is the only Ted Lasso podcast where you're going to hear about dodecahedrons, everyone. Uh, maybe not. I don't know. The, I'm sure Dr. Mark has gotten into that eventually. Um, and now we have completed the Lasso Super Friends uh, mentions. We haven't done Coach Beard's book club, but uh, oh, we'll man. Well, now we just did right there. Um, because I Coach Beard so. was yeah. reading a book uh, when he was talking to Ted here. But... Can I tell you just a quick tangent? Oh, yeah. We, we started a message thread after that predictions episode with the four other podcasts that we did. And it is all the time that we're messaging each other. And those people are so delightful. Uh, This evening, we all showed each other pictures of our cats and dogs that are living with us in the houses. Um, And I just want to call out that this content creating community, amazing people, amazing people. Anyway, listen to everyone, guys. There's enough lasso content to go around. But um, other than that, the other big thing is, of course, the Man City game and uh, Rebecca's storyline. The game does not go as planned. Zava is literally nowhere to be found. Roy laments that he better be effing dead. (laughs) I would love to see that confrontation. But they're starting Colin back in the starting lineup here. And I don't think that that is an insignificant thing, Craig. I think that maybe if there is a title to be won this year, 
I guess it might be Colin who scores that winning goal. I don't know. I'm just putting that marker down again right here because I love how like subtle they've been with it. But he's, of course, starting there. But the game does not go well. They drop to Man City 4-0. A total just absolute destruction there. The team seems to right now, I think, Craig, have reached their lowest moment as even more of their own crowd are turning on them now. They leave the field dejected. They're yelling at them. They're telling them that they're, you know, crap with Zava, crap without him and stuff like that. Um, and as uh, Rebecca enters her office, she gets a text from Higgins that shows a video that shows that Zava is considering retirement. So, of course, this is where it is. But this is also where she gets her phone call from Dr. Wagner, who told her he would call after the match and informs her of the test results. Now, Craig, what are you thinking the results of these tests were? Because I honestly can see either way the way Hannah plays this. She does have one line that says, you know, that's what I thought or that's what I was thinking, something like that. But I feel like she's very much playing this either way here. So what do you think? Is, is or Do you think it's the typical what we're, we were expecting here? So do you remember that scene last episode where the where Beard and Roy are trying to talk about Nate's false nine? Yes. And how they're not going to play it against Nate because they can't play it against <laughs> Nate. And then they do this whole big loop. And then they uh-huh. say that they're going to play Nate's false nine. That's sort of where at. I'm at with this scene because this show likes to subvert our expectations so frequently that you get that, like just the, the dramatic music that's being played underneath it. You get um, everything about kind of her demeanor and how she reacts to that phone call makes you believe that she's told that she cannot have children. Right. However, this is Ted Lasso, right? And so uh, a lot of the subversion that they do, I could totally see, like you're saying, that she was actually told that, yes, in fact, she can have children and that perhaps some of the uh, kind of melancholy nature is the fact that she doesn't have that partner. She doesn't have that emergency contact to mm. be able to uh, potentially you know, father that child or whatever the case may be. So I could see it both ways. I think I'm leaning more the direction that she was told that she could not have children. Mm -hmm. Um, That to me just makes more sense. But at the same time, um, who knows? I guess we'll find out in the, in the future episodes, right? I guess I keep just saying that there there's doing such a good job of keeping these plates spinning in the air. I think Brandon said that in our last episode, they have all these plates spinning in the air and seemingly at this point, they haven't dropped a single one. So uh, it'll be interesting (laughs) moving forward to see where all this unravels. Yeah, absolutely. And you called out the music there. I just want to call that out too. Rachel Yamagata's uh, quiet, a very, very beautiful song. Um, And again, lyrics might be a little there you know she says basically in there you know it'll be um why go i asked you know and i know why it'll be just as quiet when i leave as it was when i first got here i don't expect anything so i don't know there's a lot of you know kind of spinning wheels imagery right there that it's just like you know you go through this thing and maybe it ends up exactly where you thought it was so you're right i do love the subversion of expectations there and you could be absolutely correct there um but of course um afterwards in the locker room um ted beard and roy they are dejective and and ted is staring at the pyramid picture and he starts to feel a panic attack come on as uh and the thing that brings him out of it is henry ringing on the phone there um this was interesting to me craig like why do you think it was the pyramid that was doing this i just think he's uh, it goes back to the first episode of the season and him asking why he's still there and so looking at uh, this kind of coaching philosophy you know he's bought into this philosophy 
and it's seemingly not working at this moment for him. And so I think from that perspective, he knows that he's not coaching this team to what they need to do. And he knows that they have the talent to be able to do it. He talks about that in the belief speech that we're going to hear in a few minutes here. And so like, um, I, I think that that's what's going on. And then Henry's able to kind of immediately shift him away from that at least momentarily, because of course he does go back into the panic attack after the phone call. Yeah. But I think that there is, I think all of this stuff is working together here because of course he's, you know, looking up that. And I think you're right on why this is kind of showing him some panic here. But when Henry is there, he has to deal with the situation and Henry basically tells him like, if I would have just listened to your advice, I would have been fine, which is the count to 10. If you're still mad, then count again. And Ted tells him that this is, you know, yes, you could say like, keep taking the ones that you want um but he's it's fine it's fine just go ahead and you could just add in the quotes and you know we can keep larry smith off the payroll this week no, that's fine no, no. we don't larry, need any ted larry right? needs his check man he's out there wrangling okay. all the cattle um but <laughs> but either way though the big important part of that though i think is that ted tells henry that's what his dad told him right. and that yes. is a key thing here because as well like when you couple that with Ted's feeling of inadequacy of his imposter syndrome of what he's there. And then you message that with like Henry, even so far away, Ted's advice is the thing that continues to pull him back from it. Now we go into the speech scene. Ted's forte is never the X's and O's. It is the inspiration. It is the getting the athletes who are always really well-trained to believe that they can do it. And so I think this is him that Henry is giving him that affirmation that that is what his strength is. And that if he believes it, the rest of them will believe it. Um, So what do you think of that before we get into the big part here at the end? No, I think you're absolutely right. I also think uh, whenever we have mention of Ted's father, it's always very significant moments in this show. Yeah, We hear about his dad really for seemingly for the first time during the dark scene um, in Diamond Dogs in season one. And then, of course, we hear about him so much more at No Weddings and a Funeral, another pivotal moment. And so to hear that it was his dad that gave this advice and really passed that down to three generations of lassos now, Mm -hmm. uh, that is something that is significant. And I think it does start to bring him out of it. You know, he's going to go right into the, the panic attack again once he's off the phone. But as we mentioned at the very top of this episode, because we had to talk about it, he (laughs) is able to kind of quell that panic attack. And that's the first time that we've been able to see that. He's clearly been working on his, um, you know, either meditation, breathing, whatever you want to call it, mindfulness that he's working on with Dr. Sharon, I'm sure. But he's able to do some breathing and uh, maybe he's also counting to 10 in his head as well and taking the advice from Henry and his father and reminding himself that that is something that he needs to be able to do. It's a quick scene. I don't know that he could get to 10 that quickly. I don't know. I'm wondering now, I'm wondering now how long that breathing takes place, Craig, because if it takes 10 seconds, I'm going to give you, I don't know. I'll give you a cookie or something like that, man, a prize cookie. Every now and then, every now and then we can have a coach beard book club moment where we bring some smarts to the podcast. See, that's how I incorporated them. Thank you. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, there it is that's what we do um well let's get into it here though because he walks into the locker room um higgins and uh trent crim have already informed the team that yes indeed zava has 
retired um, from football completely. Um, they even play a video that he says where he's talking about he's going to dedicate his time to his family and his avocado farm um, because, of course, uh, that's what you're going to do there. Um, but Ted actually like starts the scene in typical Ted fashion, which is pretty much just like, hey, you know what? Shake it off. We're going to be fine. Let, we'll see you on practice on Monday. And like quite literally the team, Sam is the one who first picks up. He's just like, dude, Zava quit like us. He quit the team. Like we can't just not talk about that. Um, and of course, you know, he gives this whole thing about, you know, a girl leaving you and ends up with her soulmate. And Beard seems to suggest that Gina Gershon, is that for him? Um, okay, sure. The legend of Coach Beard continues to grow here. Apparently he and Gina Gershon were an item once upon a time. Um, but then, of course, he even says, though, that he thinks that Zava leaving is a good good thing and that he wants to win with the people who want to be here um and he says that he did that they really didn't need zava and of course he looks right at jamie when he says that because jamie put that marker down um and uh you know he says uh, tedism quote i'm gonna say here but as he's saying it the sign rips in half and his players think oh my god this is clearly a sign we are doomed we are doomed we are doomed and so craig any thoughts i think we have to do the whole line here as um the the kind of context for what all of this is so i know i sent it to you like what parts of this speech and what parts of like what happens as he's here addressing the team do you think are very significant yeah i mean i i think it it's interesting because he rips up the sign, but then he talks about the belief of hope and that things can get better and I can get better and we will get better. Mm -hmm. It's, it's very much like, to me, it does remind me a callback of the tan line speech, the, my favorite speech that Ted gives. And like the, the idea that like you need to be able to move on. Like he brings in his own personal turmoil into this speech and does it in a way that uh, allows him to still give a broader message to his audience, which is his team. So I, man, this guy, this Jason Stakers guy. <laughs> he might uh, be a talent here. He's he's something else. But I, I you know, I, the first time when you see him rip up that belief sign, I do think it's, it's a bit shocking. It is and, shocking. The team plays and, it very but, well. But then when you listen to him, it's not that he's abandoning what that is it's just that it's a sign and it's okay yeah. and, and we don't need that sign we what we need is we need that belief and that belief in ourselves to move forward and i think that that's a a pretty dang strong message like it what about you what what things stood out to you yeah i mean well there's you're right like there's a transference that's happening here like he sees that they are viewing this physical like manifestation of the belief sign as like the literal like metaphorical sign that he that they are doomed because that sign is in itself like this you know ideal that they hold on to and what ted is doing here is not like abandoning the idea of belief but he's really telling them that like this sign literally just reminds you of what you already have inside of you. You don't need this sign. That's why when he tells Bumba Cats, you know, like, yeah, you're right. It is a sign. And that's all it is, you know, because what this thing is, is the belief that you have in each other. So real quick, I'm going to go through most of this quote here just because it's so emotional and impressive. But he says, belief doesn't just happen because you hang something up on a wall. It comes from in here, like uh, pointing to his heart and up here pointing to his head and down here pointing to his gut, you presume. Uh, only problem is we all got so much junk floating through us. A lot of times we get in our own way. Crap like envy or fear or shame. I don't want to mess around with that shit anymore. You know what I want to mess around with? 
the belief that I matter. And right there at that point, Craig, they cut to the scene of Nate and Jade eating at the restaurant. And he says that I matter regardless of what I do or don't achieve. Can you think of any more like on the nose description of what Nate's pathology is than that line right there? That's just an absolutely incredible. But you know, uh, he mentions he mentions getting the shit out of there. I wanted to have a callback to Jamie saying some poopay, some poopay. right there, right? <laughs> uh, no, that would have totally ruined the scene. But it was it's something I, I definitely thought of like the second time through watching it. Yeah, but yeah. I, it, the the cutaway to Nate in that moment, we're getting him redeemed, right? I mean, like at this but, point, yeah. like it's very clear that Nathan Shelley is redeemed in some way, shape or form. And I don't know if that means he's back on the Richmond coaching staff, or if that means that maybe you know, it's he's just, just apologizing to... and making things right with Ted, you know, and then like right. maybe, maybe the truest example of like Ted's belief is that then Nate doesn't get fired from West Ham. Maybe he brings Ted's philosophy to West Ham. Maybe that's like, you know, the power of belief keeps going on and on and on there. Um, but you know, the next part of that, he says, uh, or the belief that we all deserve to be loved as the, this cuts away to a silhouette of Keely and Jack undressing each other in the office window. Um, you know, whether we've been hurt or we hurt someone else. And then we of course cut to Roy there, man, lots of stuff happening here. Um, or what about the belief of hope? And that cuts back to uh, Rebecca in the car looking at something um, or that's, uh, that's what I want to mess with. Believing that the things can get better, that I can get better, that we will get better. And I love how Jason says that line in particular, because it instills that belief back in this team that you know what you guys are in a slump but you are good enough you're gonna get better we're gonna get better to believe in yourself to believe in one another that's fundamental to being alive and if you can do that if each of you can truly do that he rips the sign one more time can't nobody rip that apart and he mm. places the sign on the bench and walks away mm. to, uh, uh, craig like what on earth man are you feeling at the end of this speech oh my god like it, it's one of those memorable like it's it's one of those scenes that people will um talk about will show uh and i think it's going to get a lot of chatter this week i wonder if people will have a negative reaction at first to uh ted ripping the belief sign because uh clearly we have put so much stock into those belief signs and <laughs> I think maybe Jason and the writers knew that and said, you know what, like, it's not about the sign. It's about the actual, it's, it's about the actual, what you're feeling in your heart and what you're believing yourself. It's yeah. not about the sign. And so I just, it's almost like a meta thing because yeah. the belief sign has become so ubiquitous with Ted Lasso as well. So mm. I, I just thought it was all amazing. And then of course, Yes. What is the last thing we get in this whole episode? We get Jamie telling Roy, I'll see you at 4 a.m. Mm -hmm. Because now Zaba's gone. And so that means not only does Jamie have to be as good as Zaba, he has to lead this team in a way really that Zaba couldn't. Um, and so I think that that's, uh, I'm ready for it, man. Yeah. Uh, I'm ready for some Rocky montages in the next, <laughs> uh, in the next episode for sure. I told Sarah right at the end of this episode, but I was like, I think that we are about to see JB Tart go on an absolute tear through the Premier League. I think it's going to happen because, again, like, you know, there's no Zava down, not only to just hold him down offensively because they've had to play a 4-5-1, you know, so Jamie doesn't even naturally get as many attempts at the ball anymore. But I think, like, this training with Roy, the way that he's been trying to lead this team and, and be that person, that point person – 
I think we are going to see Jamie Tart go on an absolute tear and that it is going to lift this team and that everybody is going to start believing in themselves again. I think those two aces, I think Danny Rojas is really going to get going as well. Um, I'm really excited to see what football is here because I think Ted has officially broken the funk of this team with this speech and that we have some really fun times ahead. It might not be immediate, but I think this team is going to be all right. So we had a lot of white whale talk about Man City. Yeah, we know they're going to it was definitely mentioned that they get them again later on in the season. Mm -hmm. So, sir, I think that speaks to your prediction being true that perhaps uh, Man City, of course, is our white whale. Um, And there was a great Tedism about that uh from coach beard as well so something that i think we ought to just get right into right yeah we've been talking for a while here larry get us into it tedisms for each week we share biscuits truth tedisms everyone it is time to do some quotes craig why don't you lead us off here what are some of your favorite tedisms of the week (laughs) oh bads i love it I knew positive thinking was bullshit. <laughs> that was my first one I wrote down. I knew that positive thinking was bullshit. Oh, Baz, come on, man. It's going to be all right. <laughs> yeah, come on, buddy. All right, like, I'm no, going to... Yeah, I no, love that. I'm going to give you guys another profanity warning here just because I have to do a Roy Kent one at some point. But when he's trying to diagnose the team's problems, he says, if the boys are going to fucking sit around watching fucking Zava all fucking match, we should make them buy fucking tickets. <laughs> <laughs> excellent excellent roy uh good one from danny i love pigs they're cute but also have the same intelligence as, of a human toddler this is correct <laughs> this is correct no this is absolutely correct with one myself um i don't, I don't know if you would consider my oldest a toddler anymore but uh, camden's definitely there um, but i want to call out uh jack when she's talking about uh shandy with keely and she says um, the worst people often think they're the best. My father calls it talent dysmorphia. I love that. I absolutely love that because, man, it's very true. Yeah, absolutely. Like, definitely cuts to the heart. I also, Jack had another one earlier about Babs and says, ever think Sunshine gets jealous of her? <laughs> the sarcasm was fantastic. <laughs> it was great. Again, really it endears you to Jack right away because it seems like she's got like kind of the same sense of humor of all of our favorite characters here. But you got to give me my Coach Beard one here, man, because uh, he says... <laughs> And I missed this the first time I watched it, but I caught it the second time. But he says, Man City, I can't believe our white whale has the same name as the strip club where I danced in college. (laughs) So apparently Beard was a stripper in college. Sure. Is anybody surprised by this? Look at his hula hooping skills. Come on, man. That would be a hell of a stripper team, dude. (laughs) Just saying. Um, I was going to go back to, and I'm going to say it anyway, even though you said it was not a Tedism. Uh, hey, coach, check it out. 115 days, no pee drops on the khakis. New record. And then Beard says immediately, proud of you. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and here's the other thing, though, too. Like, I'm, I'm going to go with another serious one here. But, uh, well, kind of funny, too. But Higgins gets his first big one of the season, I think, where he says, the universe is full of things we can't explain, Rebecca. Fingernails. What's that about? <laughs> Which is, I love I loved that. Oh, you know, my God. And not way, bad. What's that about? <laughs> what's like, that about? The way he delivered it. But he brings it back so home great. to the series when he says, and psychics, even if some of them are charlatans, they can help us see something in ourselves that we can't quite see ourselves. Excellent yes. rhetorical stuff there, Higgins. Well done, my boy. Absolutely. I really liked that Nate said, um, this is when he's talking to Jade about the divine baklava. And he says, for some reason, when I'm trying to impress someone, I end up sounding a lot like my grand. 
uh, what I liked about that is that it showed more of a human side of Nate that uh, he's trying to express to this person. And I'm on team like this was the clear delineation. We've had it a bunch this season where we've gone back and forth between good Nate and uh, and bad Nate, uh, you know, yeah. Anakin and Darth, uh, whatever you want to say. <laughs> it's very but much like, episode three Anakin, isn't it? <laughs> right, exactly. And so I'll just say that this is this is the marker. Like th- this is our boys coming home. Uh, and I don't know that home means back to Richmond. I could see it happening, but I think he's coming home. Yep, I think you're right there. Uh, one that absolutely got me to laugh out loud is when uh, Ted is talking about how he can't connect with Henry, and he asks Coach Beard, why can't the world just have one big time zone? And Beard just says, not even like mad or anything, just matter-of-factly, the sun. <laughs> he is correct, what about everyone. Our, uh, what about our boy Max? And he says, if you put your energy into the thing uh, you truly love, the universe puts its thing back into you. <laughs> The best part about that is at the end, he says, you're welcome. (laughs) You're welcome. Max, we love you so, so damn much, man. (laughs) I also had another one from Max, which is uh, when he's talking about Jamie and he just goes, it's as if he were Zava. (laughs) It's as if he were Zava. Max, you crushed it, man. We love you. Come on back anytime, dude. Um, But of course, uh, aside from the big last one, though, Ted does have uh, one last quote there that I wrote down, which is, all we need to win is the fellas in this room right now, and all you fellas need to do is believe. And you know what? Aside from you take that out of the context of the sign ripping right after that, it's a fantastic quote to live by. Absolutely. My last one, you mentioned it earlier because you hate me, but from Henry Lasso and from Daddy Lasso and from Ted Lasso, if you're angry, count to 10. If that don't work, count again. And uh, mm. great advice. I always thought of, um, you know, when my son was growing up, he was super into Daniel Tiger. Mm-hmm. Um, and what was the what was the counting thing for Daniel Tiger? Now, like immediately what popped in my head was the potty song. If you have to go yes, potty, stop and go right away. No, no, no. What's I've got the, this. It's in here, too. It's in my brain somewhere. It's um, got to be in there. Where is it? Oh, um, gosh. Oh, oh no. no, we're failing as parents, man. I, There's so I many can, like, parents that it. are like that are like screaming They're at us screaming right now at us because right we now. can't think about it. Oh my god, it's gonna pop in there, and if it does, I'm just gonna like say it immediately. Yeah, <laughs> damn it. No, we're gonna look it up, okay? But keep talking because <laughs> I'm going to look this damn thing up. No, that's okay. That was my last Tedism, and I know that we went kind of long on this episode, but guys, somehow oh, this show I got turned it. from. Oh, I, here we go. I got it. When you feel so mad that you want to roar, roar. <laughs> take, take a deep, deep breath, breath and count, and to, count four. to four. <laughs> yes. Okay, good. All right, good. We had to get Whew. that right, guys. I'm sorry. I'm really glad that we got that in there. Thank you for Holy coming moly. on this journey with us. Um, and I guess thanks for coming Absolutely. on the journey of this episode with us, everyone. Um, it, it's, it's What an episode, blast. Craig. It's been a blast. And this was fun. This was fun to break down with you. I think that there's going to be a lot of talking about this episode for a long, long time. And I uh, can't wait to see where it goes from here, man. I am very happy that there's been so many people involved on our social media. So go yeah. and follow us on PBBFRN on Twitter. Also, make sure that you go join that Peanut Butter and Biscuits Facebook page. And uh, yeah, dude, same bad time, same bat channel. That's uh, right. We'll see you again next week, right? Indeed, right here in your podcast feeds, everyone. Thank you once again. If you want to know more from us, of course, join the Facebook group that Craig talked about. Or if you want to know more about our 
parentage, I guess, the Front Row Network, go to nprillinois.org slash program slash front dash row dash network, or of course, find the Front Row Network on all of your social media feeds. Uh, lots of cool stuff happening there. We got a reporter going out to the TCM Festival very soon, Brandon As Davis. As this drops, I think he's in the air flying to LA, so... He already told, uh, he already had Ben Mankiewicz tell him to come get a burger with him, so I don't know what to do with that information. Yeah. <laughs> what a what a life that we all lead um but yeah just follow along everyone and again as craig said next week we will be back with episode six halfway through season three uh we will all get through it together but for peanut butter and biscuits i'm jeremy i'm craig and as always everyone be a goldfish goldfish. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Front Row Network, a proud Community Voices member of National Public Radio Illinois. For more from the Front Row Network, including our articles or our other dozens of shows, visit thefrontrownetwork.com or nprillinois.org slash programs slash network. You can also find us on social media by searching for the Front Row Network on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram, and on Twitter at Front Row Reviews with a Z.